with the amazing girl boss, Stephanie Suru at her incredible space, the She Space. And behind the scenes is one of our former podcast guests, Rosalind Bissell. <laughs> Yay, she has on one of her rookie silk masks and is looking fabulous. Guys, we are all about women empowerment. And this space is incredible. I'm a big lover of color, so you have color everywhere. Everywhere. Influencers, this is the most Instagrammable space I've ever been in in Houston, Texas. It's so incredible. But the story behind it is the thing that gives me chills. Mm. You have been on an incredible journey mm. as a wife and mother, amazing, stylish icon, but businesswoman in the healthcare industry mm -hmm. for 23 years? 25. 25. Yes. I too had a career before my own life, 22 years with my family go. business. And then I became the vintage contestant. So you mm -hmm. decided to go back to school at Rice and get your master's at age 53. Wow. <laughs> that tells my age a little bit, but that's okay. But we're going I'm backwards. Proud of it. I'm proud of that. You should be yeah. proud of it because you're incredible. But the thing that brought us together today is the women of distinction. Yes. And you are chairing our amazing event this weekend. Proudly. And you've been so philanthropic in so many ways. And all of that really goes together with your purpose because I feel like you are a woman that is so complex. You balance family, business, paying it forward for the community. Mm -hmm. And then I found out today you have done amazing mission work, mm -hmm. which is my daughter's dream. And oh. um, so we have so much to talk about, but I'll uh, tell a little bit more about you. You opened the She Space this year during the midst of COVID. Mm -hmm. You have been so well respected for your journey here already. I love that Shelby Hodge wrote about yep. it and it was one of the lead Paper City yep. articles that came out and um, you wanted a space to, for women to get together and collaborate. Take over from here. Tell us the she space and how it came about. So it is quite a story and like everything in life, it's a journey. It's not like I woke up one day and said, I'm going to do this space for women. Um, it's a life well-led that led up to this spot. So 25 years in the healthcare industry. Um, my focus was on motivational, motivational psychology of women during the rehab process. So that played a lot into what I was doing, just being a mother, grandmother now, wife, um, raised my niece and nephew. So there's just a lot of life wisdom that I felt I could share and bring to the table. I could not have done this at age 30 or 40. I think it took all those years, all those journeys, all those pieces coming together that I was able to open she space and you did it in collaboration mm -hmm. with your daughter-in-law yes so so many trailblazing moments here um to do a big business project with a daughter-in-law is really really unusual but we have a very unique and wonderful relationship so we have we bring a lot to the partnership generational differences mm -hmm. very different perspectives 
I'm more the visionary and the trailblazer. I, her name's Katie, Katie Sue. She married my son. Mm-hmm. I've known her since she was 19. Aww. I've never heard her raise her voice. She is just the most delightful, hardworking woman, but she had been in oil and gas for 10 years. And so she brought a very unique perspective of what the male dominated, um, working in the male dominated industry looks like. And I'm coming from construction. So that was also very male dominated. Mm -hmm. And it's such a balance Mm -hmm. as women who believe in women's rights, Mm -hmm. but are living in Texas Mm -hmm. and living with these men with Mm -hmm. strong personalities. Mm -hmm. Again, tossing back to Rosalind, she did an amazing job of balancing because when you're a tough woman, people call you a bitch. (laughs) But when you're a tough man, they just say, oh, you're successful. And how, and this is, it's the speaking wild female voice. So that's what I have learned. It's how to speaking wild female. Yes. So it's learning how to find your voice, whatever's in your head. It's, it's um, not going to come to life and, you know, you have to speak it, you have to vocalize it. And then you just have to get very comfortable with what you're saying and who you are. And you don't worry about what people say about you, as long as you believe in what you're saying. And I think that goes back to purpose. I've been really Mm -hmm. diving and researching a lot purpose. And in order to live this purpose-filled life, Mm -hmm. you have to do a lot of work and figure out who Mm -hmm. you are. Mm -hmm. So you're not going with the wind for whoever you're talking to. You have to be rooted in a lot of core values. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of the work you did with these women who Mm -hmm. were going through so much of an emotional journey, Mm -hmm. I would Mm -hmm. think, is they got caught up in moments that they didn't really know who they were or they were with people that weren't safe. And now you've created Mm -hmm. this safe space for women. I think it all contributes to why I wanted to open this space because I was very passionate about about mentoring young professional Mm -hmm. women, but to do a really good job in mentoring, you have to be available when they need you. You have to be able to give everything. So I can really only mentor well Mm -hmm. to women at a time. And then I have all those that I've mentored in the past that if they kind of um, wave the white flag, I need to be available for them. And so I, I needed a way to leverage mentoring. So really this space is mentoring on a very, very large scale. I mentor all day long, young women coming in here, looking for a space, trying to find out what they need. It's all a version of mentoring. But can we talk about how I actually woke up one day and kind of thought, yes, I have to do something. What was your aha moment? So I was alluded to this a little bit earlier and I said, it's not like I woke up one day and Mm -hmm. said, I have to do this, but it was actually kind of like that. I did have a moment, which is very unusual. It is. It's very unusual. I was on a trip um, with a Bible study group. We were in the um, in Israel, mm-hmm. and the very first night we arrived, I met these two women. One was an Israeli Jewish woman, and one was a Palestinian Christian woman. And they had met, become best friends, and opened up a company together. So just the dynamics of that is just so unusual. And their company was um, a tour company. And so one of the things they offered was to go into one of the Palestinian districts. So I went with this group uh, into the Palestinian district and it was to a women's center. 
And on the outside, you know, they're very, um, very, very oppressed and repressed and just living such small lives. On the inside, they're just like you and me, only more vibrant, more energetic. They were literally dancing and singing and doing each other's nails and giving each other's facials. And they were learning skills, job skills that they could use within that women's center. Mm -hmm. And I was so taken, like it literally was like a visceral reaction that I got from these women. And by the time I left that tour was like 45 minutes or an hour, I knew I had to have a women's space in Houston. Did not know what it would be like, did not know what it would be called. I just knew I had to do it. And I knew that that's what I'm supposed to do. I knew that that is, I knew it was going to be hard. And honestly, for like three months, I just really wanted the idea to go away um, because I knew what an undertaking it was going to be. And to do it right, it was going to be 100% all the time. And the idea did not go away. And I was like obsessed with it. But I did wake up one morning and just knew what it was going to be called. I knew it was going to be called She Space. And then I spent like six weeks trying to think of another name. Just, just to make sure that yeah. that was the right one. Wasted so much time thinking of everything. And I met with women, met with women, talked with women, had focus groups. Like, I have this crazy idea. Tell me not to do it. <laughs> and everyone goes, you have to do this. The time is right. Because there's so many women's groups in Houston. There are amazing women here. We already know that. But there's so many women's organizations, even with in companies, there's like leadership groups, there's sororities, there's, there's just groups of women, but I kind of felt like they were splintered and we needed a place to all come together to, there's definitely strength in numbers and to really make an impact, we need to grow the base and that's what SheSpace is about. And you officially launched in... The week before Thanksgiving in the middle of a pandemic, so right before the holidays... And right in the middle of the pandemic, but it just didn't deter us. So my partner is my daughter-in-law, Katie, and she is the CFO and she's the logical one. She's the voice of reason. So like I get these really wild, big ideas. I think really big. I'm really, really willing just to jump off the diving board and she'll say, let's just think about that a bit. So she is really an anchor and really grounds the whole process. And I need somebody like that. It's kind of the opposite of what you would think, um, but she is very, very willing to take a risk. We both are, but she wants to know, but I'm more, um, I am more like go with the feel of it. And she has to be able to explain it from a business perspective. So it's a great partnership. It seems like the yin and the yin. It is totally. Mm -hmm. It's just not what people expect. So they it expect the older, more, uh, right. But experienced yes. woman to be the one that is the grounded, yes. But I do come from um, a long line of real trailblazing women, and I just didn't know how to do anything different. I thought all women did this. I mean, I thought all women kind of jumped off the diving board. And that's such a big part mm -hmm. of raising other women mm -hmm. to feel this empowerment. You've mm -hmm. done so much for the community. One of your big pillars is literacy. Mm. And that's such a big part. I mean, we have to educate. It's the basis foundation for everything, everything. So 
you have to get the young ones reading. And, and tell us about what you did. When I One of the first times I met you was through the Barbara Bush mm -hmm. Literacy mm -hmm. Foundation. And you did so a huge passion, huge passion mm -hmm. of mine. And so when I'm not doing this, I'm still very involved with that. And so I, uh, when I was at Rice getting my master's, I came, came across the statistic mm -hmm. that in some areas of Houston, mm -hmm. there um, is what is known as a book desert. So for, there are no books in the children's homes, no books. Wow. There is one book for every 300 children. And when I heard that, I was like, how is that even possible? But like in areas around the country, like in DC, it's one book for every 800 children to put things into perspective. The same time I heard the statistic that 72 or maybe it was 74 HISD elementary schools had closed their libraries. And I'm like, where are the kids going to get their books? There's, there's always an element of uh, transportation, difficulty in transportation. Mm -hmm. So there's not books at home. There's not books at school. They can't get to the library. So I brought this idea with my friend, Trish Morelli. So we brought this idea to um, the Barbara Bush Foundation. We were like, again, another crazy idea. Uh -huh. The kids don't have the books, so we are going to take the books to the kids. So we started building building out mobile libraries, and now we're on our third one. Wow. So we we collect 100,000 books a year, and then uh -huh. we give them away, and we're like on our third year. Wow. Are there ways that people, I guess it's COVID, so could you get involved with delivering the books or we collect feed? them and then we okay. take them so we partnered with Harris County Public Library and okay. they actually run the it's called the Curiosity Cruiser okay so they actually run the Curiosity Cruiser and mm -hmm. they make um stops organized stops all over the city all day long and now we have three of them the third one's being built out and so we're reaching a lot of children and the whole idea there is to build home libraries okay. so they're, they're mobile libraries but really what they're doing is we do programming, but they're giving the books away to build the home libraries, to get the books in the kids' home. And if someone wanted to know, to donate, where would they donate their books? Here. Oh, good. So I will so be they come by and in, see your yes, space. so we are doing that in March. We're having a huge book drive Yay. for the month of March. Uh -huh. um, and then talking about books, I know Rosalind's sitting here and she is also just an absolute book lover and and I bet her, her son has more books than most kids, but you know, households put together. So that ratio of one to 300 books, I swear when I was growing up, we probably had the opposite of that, probably 300 oh, books yes. yeah, in our children. And my mom saved them all. Is I have all, yes. A, a part of our childhood, yes. it was so important. And we have gone, Bella's gone to Yellowstone to drop books off. And I mm -hmm. feel like it's important for kids to understand Mm -hmm. Other kids' journey, especially in this challenging time, to grow up with it as a teenager and social media. Absolutely. So one of my things I've loved most of anything I've ever done in my life was run the clubs for middle school girls. Oh, let's talk about that. Oh, I could talk about that for days. So I was working with middle school girls, uh -huh. but I was having trouble like really connecting. Yes. And I mean, we could talk, but it just didn't seem shallow or meaningful. So I hit upon this idea of starting book clubs. And then you can talk about really meaningful topics if you pick the right books and they're part of the theme in real mm -hmm. life. And then real life discussion would just naturally happen. So it would just like kind of organically come into the room with conversation. So we're kind of talking about the book, but really they're talking about what's going on in their real life safely. 
And I absolutely adored that. And I did some in high school, but it was more successful with the middle school. It actually seventh grade's the magic year. Mm-hmm. Seventh grade girls. I can't believe that. No, mm-hmm. it's an eighth. Mm-hmm. Eighth grade girls are kind of setting, they're kind of getting a little, you know, <laughs> you yes. know what I'm saying. And <laughs> yes, big shout out to Bella. Yep. That we, yes. <laughs> Um, no, it's a real journey. And I'm, I'm reading different books, um, about, uh, connecting with your teenage daughter. One of them is love her well. And I think that's such a part of, um, the journey is how safe they feel and the connection. And mm-hmm. I want to go back to, cause I, I also researched a lot on connection and what I've come to define it as is seeing and hearing someone where they are without judgment. Mm-hmm. And these two women that had different, complete vision, visions of their life, the Palestinians and the Israelis, how long has that worked? Since but the beginning they, of time. That they could mm-hmm. find the connection. And if we could all. The common ground. Every day mm-hmm. search for that mm-hmm. as opposed to the different. And that's what unifies. It is absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, tell us a little bit about the women here that mm. you're honoring in the room. You named your different rooms after I did. different women trailblazers. So that was very difficult um, to pick the names because there's so many amazing, amazing mm-hmm. women. The, the most obvious and easiest was the RBG. So we have mm-hmm. different size meeting rooms and the largest one is the RBG. Then I wanted to pick names of women that maybe um, people have started to forget. And I wanted to keep the names alive and that's Ida B. Wells. So she was the first black female journalist and suffragette, which this woman did amazing things, but you don't hear her name. And so mm-hmm. I named one of the names. I mean, there's thousands of women that could qualify to have a room named after them, but I think she's so important. I named a room after her. Um, it was, it was fun, but it was challenging. You know, I don't know. After a while, I might change the names out and honor some more, some more women. But I also love that family is so important to you. And you have a wall mm-hmm. with your mothers and your mentors mm-hmm. there, too. Mm-hmm. And I had this magical moment with my mom, I guess, a couple of years ago. And I said, I spent so much time looking at dad because he was successful in business mm-hmm. and he, thinking that he was the strongest one mm-hmm. in the family mm-hmm. when really it was your faith and your passion and your love for the family that really was our strength. Mm-hmm. And I saw that. And so there's so many women out there that I feel like struggle with being enough. Like they hear about your life. Oh my God. Like how many women can do what you've done? But I think we also have to champion the mothers that are oh. our reading to their kids and I feel Absolutely. like you do that too let's talk a little bit and about always that. and always did but so my mother was an English teacher mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense yes you. and so um she was always so busy um but she always made time for us and reading was a huge part of what we did together that was a huge huge part of our life and they read my parents read and then watching them read and then now I have grandchildren Speaking of family, so I named two two rooms after my granddaughters, the Stella and the Lucy. <laughs> I um, love that. So now I spend time reading to them. So um, 
there's just amazing, amazing women coming through here. Amazing women. That's what I like about this the most, which is saying a lot because I love everything about this, is I'm meeting the most amazing women that my path probably would never cross. Like we have 33 women that started the She Space. So it's a team of 33 women that funded this, running this, built it, designed it. Everything from the exterior signs owned by a, um, it's a female owned company. So it's all women that did this project and it didn't really start out to be, but whenever I had a choice, I wanted to look at the female. And then after a little ways into it, I said, it, it has to be the woman. So it's either a woman owned company whenever possible. And if it wasn't a woman owned company that when we use the woman representative from the company. Um, so like our construction manager is a female. Love she's that. amazing. I would never run into her. That's and now so she's good. just like one of my favorite people. She's about five, two runs everything. It's just amazing. Um, so tell people how they could become a part of it. Yeah. I was fascinated. You, yeah. you can rent a space. It's a room. You could rent a desk or yes. have a comment. So it's a little it unusual because I understand every woman's life is completely different. So mm -hmm. we can't put us, we can't put them into boxes. We can't compartmentalize. Your life is different than my life, than everyone else's life. So just to say you have like choice A, B, or C doesn't really work. So we work with whatever a woman needs because our job is to help you meet um, those needs so that you can go after your dreams, so that you can fulfill your ambitions. So I think most women are so busy trying to juggle conveniences. And um, I heard this wonderful term the other day that women are um, time impoverished. We don't have enough time. I was like, why didn't I think of that term? I love that term. Mm -hmm. um, and so we try to find ways to assist women so they can get things done. So whether that be a full-time office or a full-time desk, that's just your desk or your desk alone, or like what we call the community space. So you can come and go. You may work in Sugarland or in the Woodlands or at home most of the time, but you need two half days just to get a break, to get re-inspired, to connect with women because working at home is very isolating. Um, we've all found that out. And working at home is awesome until it isn't awesome anymore. Um, I remember being around my dining room table for months and then I just could not do it anymore. You just sometimes need a change yeah. of space so, or a change of mindset and mm -hmm. to be in a space where mm -hmm. other people, I mean, all of us are it's, struggling with COVID and yeah. to be able to say, oh, you're you're having a hard time with this too. I thought I was just so weak in my journey and then I was So fun watching the women connect here. So it just yes. happens very organically. They'll run into each other. Like remember the, like at the cooler, remember you think yes. about the water cooler thing? Now it's like the fresh ground coffee thing. So they'll run into each other getting coffee and just very natural relationships are de developing here just because they're bumping into each other. And I need this and I need that and helping women figure out what they need. But we also have a lot of meeting rooms because I have a nonprofit heart mm -hmm. and I wanted to be able to assist nonprofits. So they probably have offices, but they may not be conveniently located or they may not be somewhere they want to take potential donors. And so the rooms we were just talking about, they are designed to, we have packages that allow nonprofits to come in just to have their meetings in those rooms. They don't, they don't need an office. They don't need a desk, but they need a place to meet. 
a lovely, inspirational, polished, well put together place to meet potential donors, their board. So this is very heavily tilted towards accommodating nonprofits as well. And tell us about the types of people you met at Rice. What was that like? I was so intimidated. I have never been so afraid of anything in my life. So I got a new book bag. My husband gave me a new book bag. <laughs> that was going to empower you. I'm like, Sometimes a new bag can do it. I'm here to tell you. A I'm new telling bag you, I help. think it was the key. I like, and I also, I'm the, the world's oldest owner of a pencil bag. I love my pencil bag. Of course, it's very cute and very stylish. Um, so I go in with my new bag and my new backpack. And I was terrified because everything is, everything has switched to everything's done on technology now. Like you submit everything and you, know, you push the button and your syllabus, everything so is on the computer. So the first semester, it was just a huge learning curve for the technology end of it. So many wonderful young people that didn't, they were far, far away from home. One of my favorite was from Singapore. So I would kind of give her parenting advice and she would help me with the technology. So again, amazing things happened women coming together. And I also found there was a real need for great places to just sit down and do some work. And coffee shop is not the place. So it's I actually not. have students in here. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They come in the evening, so I don't see them as much. But we're open until 11 o'clock. So they come and do their studies. There's a young woman getting ready to study for her LSAT. And this is the perfect place. There's women to keep her going and motivated. And and if I'm at home, I'm going to just run up and do the, the, the laundry or just finish this one thing. Or that you get very distracted. The dog's barking. The do and the doorbell's ringing. for all of that. Right. Exactly. Um, so we did all those conveniences inside she space or in the surrounding area. So I decided not to be downtown or anything like we're in a shopping center. Because I looked at what women need in their lives and they're still needing to go to the grocery store or pick things. Now, <laughs> picking things up from the grocery store. So without ever getting in my car, I can do everything I need. There's a grocery store, there's a gas station, there's the ATM, there's Total Wine. Wink. Um, <laughs> yes. I, my window looks out at Total Wine. Yeah. Everything For those who follow me on social I'm, media, I'm prone to have a glass of wine. Maybe more, maybe, maybe daily. And uh, we're, we're going to be doing a toast. Absolutely. A little bit after this to so, celebrate friendship. So we have the, you know, we have mail delivery and package delivery here and dry cleaning pickup. I mean, my life has gotten so much easier. I have, I have absolutely found more hours in the day by being here because I'm not spending all my time driving around. Completely mm. agree that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so podcast studio, that's where we are today. We are, are you seeing that a lot of the ladies are starting that it's or so watching them? It's and so popular. And two of our younger members mm -hmm. have started them on their own since they've been here. Yay! Two. You have and actually, to you inspired them a little bit. Or oh, I think they inspire me. Um, oh. They are, but that's how it works. It is. And, um, they are like, we are so terrified. I'm like, it's okay. You'll we're figure it out. Terrified. It's conquering the fear. It is. It's not that we're not afraid. And that's it's the conquering thing. the fear. You're so accomplished and you are afraid to walk into rice. People have to understand. They say like, you seem like you're not concerned or 
Oh. You seem like it's all easy for you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's not easy. And you should have seen me schlepping up on my step on the steps. I'm thinking if someone could get have an Instagram of this, this is the real life. Real. It's not as glamorous as everybody This morning thinks before you is. got here, I was like pushing tables around exactly. and lugging the sofa. We and were like, moving it ah, ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's such a big part. So um, to young women trying to figure out, they want their aha moment. Everybody especially with COVID, like how do you recommend that people kind of figure out purpose? Like, where did you go? I know I think you try things. I think okay. you have to keep trying and trying and trying things. I mean, I was in healthcare for 25 years and that ended up not being the right fit for me, but look at everything I gained from it. Yeah. So even if it's the wrong thing, you are going to start taking things away. And in the end you, you take and you pick and you have all these things and then you put it together but you have to live a little bit. I mean, you have to just try things. You can't be afraid and like, I'm going to make a job change or a relationship change or geographic change. You just have to keep trying things. I've moved a lot in my life. I never thought I would live in Texas. So where are you from? So I, I grew up in the Midwest. Okay. And then I lived in Colorado for many, many oh, years. That's right. And then we moved to Texas. And if you live in Colorado, you don't tell people you you're moving like to Texas. Texas. It's, it's a tough thing. I had to convince and people. And now to like I me. love it so much. And so this is my way. Another thing, giving back to the women in Houston that have been so good to me. So, so loving and welcoming and genuine. And this is for the women of Houston. It is so genuine takes me to authenticity. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the overall theme of my world is I'm mm -hmm. always looking at products and finding mm -hmm. out if they're authentic. And then now we're talking about people and being authentic. And I think some people, again, have to dig kind of deep to even figure out what's, what's their core, like what mm -hmm. is it based upon? And I find that uh, that's what I'm really trying to help my daughter with is understand is matching her words and her deeds mm -hmm. and staying consistent with all that. So you meet people that come in here. How do you kind of figure out if it's someone that you want to collaborate with or mm -hmm. you want to be a part of it or, or if they're authentic? And sometimes even inauthentic, you just means that they've been really hurt. And then there is someone wonderful underneath, but they've got all these boundaries up. I can find something good in everyone. I think That's you beautiful. just have to take the time. It may not be at the surface. So it does take time when women come in here to look at the space. It's not like they're in and out of here in 10 minutes. They'll stay mm -hmm. an hour and we'll sit down and chat in the beginning. And then we'll go and look at everything and we'll chat. And so I really feel like by the end of an hour or hour and 15 minutes, I've kind of started to figure out maybe sometimes even better then they do what they need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come out in the beginning. You have to take time to start to develop a relationship. And sometimes people, women will come in here two or three times before they commit. So it's like trust and developing trust. But I, I think one of my skills is sifting through kind of the, the bluster. And I think I can kind of get to the heart of the matter people that's interesting mm -hmm. I'm working on understanding all of that better but I 
I too am in this place that when the world is so decisive, I mean, Rob made a joke about something last night. I was like, you know what? I don't even want to go there anymore. And I love that he's always trying to joke and make light of things, but I just want to look at the best in everything. Mm -hmm. I'm trying really hard. I was watching, uh, listening to a podcast while walking the other day. And um, she was saying, the second you get out of bed, you can make a choice of what your mind's going to mm -hmm. say all day and that you make that choice. Was there ever a, play, a time when you had to like talk yourself out of a bad place in your life to overcome it? Or have there been days that you wake up and you're like, I'm depressed or I'm upset. Mm -hmm. And then you have to pull yourself out of that situation. So that is, comes down to mindsets mm -hmm. is what you're saying. So I think it is making a very just deliberate choice to, um, you know, everybody has foggy blue days. Everybody does. Um, just allow yourself to have that, whatever is going on in your life, but you don't let it like dominate it and have two foggy blue days in a row. Um, I do think people need to give themselves more grace. Mm. So if you're having a bad day, let yourself have a bad day. Everybody has a bad day, but that doesn't mean you have to have a bad life. I think it's things happen and you adjust. I'm super resilient because I come from mm -hmm. very resilient people, but I focus on, um, I focus on that. And I'm not afraid to make mistakes. I'm not afraid to fall down and stub my toe. Um, does That does not scare me. But what would scare me is if I wasn't able to get back up the next day and try it again. I met Brene Brown a couple of times and I asked, I'm sure a million people have asked her, so I'm raising a child. What's the most important thing to do with them? And mm. she said, teach them to be scrappy. Oh. Teach them when they yeah. fall. Gutsy, gutsy, gutsy. Lay mm -hmm. in the pain and yeah. then let teach them to pull themselves out of it because for so long I was trying to fix it and I still mm -hmm. try to fix it because I'm mm -hmm. tied today. Natural, it is as a mom. As a it's, mom, I think it's natural to fix it. The get, best gift my parents ever gave me, mm -hmm. which at the time I thought they were the most horrid people on the planet. Mm -hmm. When I was 17, the day after I graduated from high school, and no one knows this about me, I went to work in a steel mill. Wow. I don't tell people that because <laughs> it's like kind of crazy. And now I look at my daughters and I'm like, what were they thinking? I would never let my daughters work in a steel mill. Talk about male dominated. Yes. Hard hat, steel toed boots, um, heat thermal gloves. Yeah. I worked in the steel mill and I paid my way through college by working in the steel mill. But talk about learning to be scrappy really quick. Wow. Mm -hmm. I don't even have words. To, I know. And I think that you chose that. I'm not sure they gave me an option. I suppose I could have, because the money that I was able to make. So I would work when nobody else wanted to. I'd work double shifts. Um, education was super important in our family. And this was my way to contribute. Um, but I look back on it now. I'm like, what were they thinking? But um, I think it was the best gift they ever gave me. That's really so then everything after that was not that hard. Right. And I think that um, I was saying that um, I've started again, it's the new year. And of course, I'm uh, working on overall being 
my mindset, my eating, mm -hmm. my just everything about my journey, my sleep. Sleep is a big part of for women in particular, mm -hmm. I believe. But um, I was thinking about, I didn't want to like lift the next weight. And I was thinking about that movie, Unbroken. I don't know if you oh, ever gosh. saw it. But I look at, um, so he was a victim in concentration mm -hmm. camps. He was mm -hmm. World War II, was it? And he was, yes. he was in Japan. And he, I remember he held this pole behind him. And they said, you're going to be shot if you drop the pole. And he was emaciated, skinny, and he did it. For hours and hours and hours. Like yep. 40 some, I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't even know, but I know. But I mean, Talk you see about that and that, you're like, and I can't do this. Yeah. I can't. Inner fortitude. But you know, women have it. I think we do. No, we way. totally do. And we have it very naturally. And some people may just have to work harder at tapping into it, but we have it. I think that's why we were chosen mm -hmm. as the, um, the child bearers. <laughs> Because I can't imagine, shout out to Rob, and I can't imagine it. <laughs> anyway, okay, so community, you were, um, let's talk a little bit about women of distinction. Tell us a little bit about the women who are selected in Crohn's and Colitis and what's happening on Saturday night. So I'm going to go back just a little bit till, to my class in 2018. Oh, good. Yes. So, so because that leads to this year. So in 2018, I was in the class of the, the Women of Distinction class, and I met some of my best friends there. So Amy Pierce, Christina Somerville, they actually reached out to me and they said, we're doing this. Would you want to be part of it? And I said, you're in, right? Because I'm not doing this if you're not doing this. Um, and so it's been really fun. And I really have very good friends from that year. But I would not do this without them. So the three of us are chairing this year. And of course, middle of pandemic, um, but again, we just figure it out talking about resilience, you know, that's not going to work and that's not going to work. And, you know, you, we've gone through probably eight plans and here we are, um, very, very proud of the women this year. And they didn't let the fact that they couldn't be on the runway, um, derail the evening and the plan. And like I said, last night, I saw the, I saw the technical rehearsal part of it. So I've seen the whole thing. <gasps> Gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. Um, and honestly, I think it's way better than parading down the runway. Each woman gets a lot of time focused on them. There's a lot of beautiful angles. You'll see it on Saturday evening, but it is amazing, beautiful, beautiful. And then I got to meet some new women through there that I didn't know before. So again, coming together, building the base, lifting each other up, which is what really what brings me joy. And this is a way to, to lift up a whole new group of women. So amazing. So uh, we're wrapping up. We only have a few minutes left. Are there any parting words, inspirations, things you didn't share that you wanted to share? Do you want to tell us more about your mission work? I know that was really fascinating yes that's so that's about. like it's a whole nother hour to talk about so maybe yes. we can do that at, a, at a, another time um but i met amazing women in africa um and they are again the ones that hold everything together 
Um, it's just a very different culture, but we work with a whole huge group of children there. And I, I know I can't do it justice in a, just a couple minutes, mm -hmm. but it really has changed me forever. And the young women that I have met 10 years ago, and we still um, see them, it, not this year, unfortunately, or last year. But um, so that's been very important. But I think I want women to be proud to be female. I think that life has been a little bit unjust and unequal to us in the past. But I think if we continue to be proud to be female and work together, things are changing. Things have changed a lot just in the last three years. Like in 2017, I was like the only female on the board. It's like, that's just crazy, but those numbers are changing. So there used to be like 17%, 13% females on boards and now it's up to 38%. And that's just in the last couple of years. So things are changing. I think women just need to be proud of themselves, proud of each other, push, pull, prod, whatever you have to do to your neighbor to get her to where she wants to be. And we're all going to get there. We're getting there every day. We are. Well, you are absolutely living the authentic life. I love how your purpose helps so many other people connect in your journey. It's, and you're just committed to that and well, everything you do. Thank you for having me. Yes. I can talk for eight hours. So I'm glad that we have like a, 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 <laughs> a timeline. timeline. Yes. And you guys can go to my stories. I'm going to be posting so many things on IG and Facebook. You can go to their website, shespace.com. Shespace HTX. HTX. And please come by and visit. See about hosting your next event here. It's an amazing, amazing space. I can't do it justice. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great week. Bye.